Good day, everybody. Good morning. Great to be here with you. My name is David, one of the staff team here at church. Uh, and as Roger mentioned, this is week two of our Bible series. Uh, if you missed last week, uh, we looked at how the Bible is God-breathed revelation, uh, how God you know, wonderfully desires to be known by us uh, and so has made himself known by speaking, uh, acting in history uh, and uh, causing his word to be written down, uh, his breathed out word. Uh, and the Bible is a wonderful book that we have. And so today I think the question that follows on from that is how can we be sure the Bible is true? Because I think we want our assurance to match what is at stake. Uh, we know this from life, right? Um, because when the stakes are low, assurance doesn't matter so much. But when the stakes are really high, a lot is at stake. Uh, assurance matters a lot. Uh, like if you're catching a train, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter too much. If you miss the train, you can just get the next one. So it doesn't matter if you're there on time or not. Uh, but if you're catching a plane to somewhere, uh, you really want to make sure that you are there on time. Very hard just to catch the next plane. Uh, or what about the person that you're sitting next to in church when you select who you're going to sit next to? doesn't really matter. You don't need to be too sure about uh, who they are. Uh, but then what about when it comes to the person that you might uh, plan to marry? Okay, you really want to be sure about that person. Uh, you want to make sure, because a lot more is at stake uh, when it comes to making that decision. And so when it, when it comes to the Bible, uh, the stakes could not be higher. Our eternity is at stake. Uh, eternal heaven or eternal hell. We want to be absolutely certain then uh, that the Bible is true and trustworthy. And so that is what we're going to be looking at today in our second week uh, in our We Believe series on the Bible. Uh, and so we're sort of following the structure of the belief statement that is written down that you can find on our website or in our uh, belief booklet. Uh, and it goes like this. It says, The Bible, Old Testament and New, is God's revelation to us. It is God-breathed and infallible as originally given and has supreme authority in all matters of faith, conduct and experience. Scripture is sufficient for knowing God and his plan. It is not only central to the well-being of the church, but is able to thoroughly equip the Christian community for life and godliness. And so the bit that we're looking at today is only covered by a few words. Uh, that is, the Bible is infallible as originally given. Uh, but it, that is such an important few words, uh, such an important link in the chain. Right? If we're going to accept the Bible as our supreme authority in all matters, uh, if it's going to direct the course of our life together as his people, uh, then we need to be sure that it's telling the truth. So today what we're going to do is we're just going to look at six indicators uh, that point us in the direction of the Bible being true uh, and then we're going to look at one final proof uh, that puts it beyond doubt. Um, and so just a quick note, um, a lot of the things I'm talking about today are covered in our Grow What You Know book, uh, Can I Really Trust the Bible? Uh, Roger's going to point that out a bit for us later. But if you want to know more about these things, because I'm just going to touch on them, if you want to go deeper, grab that book, have a read, uh, and that will help you uh, to think about these things a bit further. Um, but I'm just going to lead us in prayer as we come to hear this word together. Would you just please join me? 
Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much uh, that you have revealed yourself, that you desire to be known. Uh, And Lord, we pray now as we think about uh, your truth, uh, that you would guide us into truth by the power of your Holy Spirit. And you would do this for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, and build our trust in him. Amen. Okay, the first indicator that the Bible is true is the truthfulness of God. Um, That is, the Bible tells the truth uh, because God always tells the truth. Okay, Numbers 23, 19 tells us, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, uh, has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfil it? So God never lies. Uh, He is someone who always tells the truth. And if you put that together with last week uh, and the Bible being his God-breathed word, his very word, uh, that tells us that the Bible always tells the truth because God always tells the truth. And so the psalmist says in Psalm 119, all your words are true. And right, this is what it means for the Bible to be infallible. Uh, That is to say, God's word is completely true and trustworthy in everything that it says. Uh, And that is what we believe. And now, I get that it's kind of circular reasoning, right? That uh, the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true. Uh, But that shouldn't be a problem for us. uh, Because all of our kind of ultimate supreme authorities uh, depend on themselves. Uh, And so circular reasoning, it's not an issue. And next week, we're going to talk more about the Bible's authority. Uh, So we'll hear more about that next week. Uh, But the next two indicators we're going to talk about uh, that are also pointing us in the direction of the truth of the word uh, comes from 2 Peter. Uh, Now, Peter is writing to this church because false teachers have come in to the church uh, telling lies. And so Peter is writing to the church uh, to remind them of the truth that they already have. Uh, the truth that was delivered uh, through them, the apostles, uh, but also through the Old Testaments that they have as well. So let's have a look at that. So uh, indicator number two is the eyewitness testimony uh, of the apostles. So Peter talks about this in verse 16. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Uh, So Peter's saying here that he and the other apostles uh, who who spoke to them, uh, who wrote the New Testament, uh, they're not making up stories to trick people. You know, people who make up stories, they usually do it for some kind of earthly or worldly gain. Um, But the disciples, uh, and, and Peter in particular, they all suffered for what they believed in. Peter himself was imprisoned for what he believed. Uh, He was beaten and eventually he was crucified for talking about Jesus. So they didn't do it to really gain anything, worldly speaking. Uh, They did it because they were eyewitnesses to the truth. And so Peter recalls for them a time when he was with Jesus on a mountain uh, and Jesus revealed his glory. Uh, You might remember this from the Gospels, uh, but Peter tells it like this. He says that Jesus received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, 
This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So, you know, you know Peter, if you think about Peter, he wasn't a great writer or a great uh, kind of uh, preacher. He was just an unschooled fisherman uh, who followed Jesus and he had been with him. Uh, he'd, he'd, he'd heard his words. He had seen his glory. Right? He had seen him die, seen him rise again and seen him ascend to heaven. And because of that, uh, Peter uh, could just speak the truth about Jesus that he had seen and heard. And so we can be sure that, that what Peter and the other apostles uh, wrote that we have in the New Testament uh, is a trustworthy word about Jesus because they were eyewitnesses to it. And then Peter goes on to talk about uh, our next indicator, the prophetic message. Uh, he goes on to say that as well as our eyewitness testimony to Jesus... Uh, verse 19, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. Now, this is something we spoke about last week, how the, the Old Testament scriptures, uh, though written by men, written by the prophets, uh, they actually spoke from God as he carried them along uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so it is God's word. And Peter here tells us that that is completely reliable. Uh, the Old Testament tells us the truth about Jesus. And so we have these two wonderful witnesses to Jesus. Uh, we have the New Testament, you know, looking back to him and telling us about him as eyewitnesses uh, who are with Jesus. Uh, and we have the Old Testament that is, is pointing us forward to him, uh, promising his coming, uh, which Jesus, of course, fulfilled in his coming. So these are, these are both indicators that, that the Bible is true. But I think the question that sort of comes out of, of those things is, uh, is our Bible the same as what they wrote or what they had with them? Uh, is the Bible we have in our hands the same as what they are talking about? And so it takes us to the next indicator that the Bible is true, and that is the historical reliability. Now, this is really important because if you'll notice in our belief statement, uh, it says, the Bible is infallible as originally given. Right? And that's talking about you know, the, what was originally written, you know, what, what Paul and Peter wrote on the, on the papyrus or whatever. Um, they're talking about that's the, that's the original that is infallible. Uh, now, we, did not, we don't have those exact uh, things they wrote. What we have is copies of what they wrote. Uh, but we can be confident that, that the copies we have are nearly identical uh, to what they had. Uh, firstly, the Old Testament. Um, surprisingly, it's relatively simple uh, to trust the Old Testament because the Old Testament that Jesus and the apostles had um, was firmly established in their time and, and we have what they had, basically. And so we trust that Old Testament because Jesus trusted that word. And so that's relatively simple. Uh, when you come to the New Testament, it's a bit uh, trickier, but still... Uh, the New Testament that we have is the most historical, uh, the most reliable historical document from this time. Um, and two factors are contributing to this that it's good to know about. Um, one is the time gap between the original writing and the first copies we have. Right, the shorter that is, the better, the more reliable. 
and also the number of copies you have. If you have more copies, uh, then you can work out where the errors are. And so those two things go together to help us uh, know if a, a document is reliable. And so here's an example from, from history. So uh, Caesar's Gallic Wars, they happened in 50 BC. Julius Caesar, you might have heard of him. Uh, all we know about this war, uh, we have in documents, uh, 250 of them. And the time gap is 900 years, okay, between the, the original and the copies that we have. Uh, and that is considered, you know, really solid, historically reliable uh, truth and evidence. Uh, so we believe that that happened. Uh, then you come to the New Testament, and what do we have? Uh, we have a time gap of only 50 to 100 years between originals and copies. And we have over 5,000 of these things. And so you look at that and you can tell straight away that, that this is the most historical, uh, most reliable historical document we have from this time. And so it's because of, of this and other evidence that, you know, we can be sure the Bible that we have is actually 99% the same uh, as what they had and what they wrote. 99%. Right? The 1% is, is kind of like typos. You know, like the R key on my computer doesn't work, and so I, I always write the wrong words, you know. It's always in my sermon too. I keep reading, though. Uh, it's just like little typos and things like that, and things that are just not significant to any of the core teachings of the Bible. And so it's this strong historical reliability of both the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, that is just another indicator uh, that the Bible is God's truth. Okay, now number five, uh, just a short one here, but the unity of the Bible. Uh, we, we touched on this last week uh, and how the Bible is 66 books, 40 authors, written over a time span of 1,500 years, uh, yet it is remarkably uh, united, telling one story. Um, and so here's a picture that actually illustrates that really well. You might have seen this. Uh, what you're seeing here is, is 60,000 cross-references in the Bible uh, connected. And a cross-reference is just, you know, one part of the Bible that is speaking about another part of the Bible, teaching the same thing uh, or, or fulfilling a prophecy, something like that. And so the bars along the bottom you're seeing are all the chapters in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, uh, every chapter of the Bible. Um, and then the coloured lines are showing you the distance between, the sort of the time distance between um, those things. And what's really amazing about that is that, you know, 2,000 of those uh, connections are actually fulfilled prophecy. So something that was spoken in the past uh, coming true in the future, uh, in our Bibles. Right, and that is just an amazing thing. It's an amazing word. Uh, and as we look at it and its unity uh, across all this time and people and books, uh, it, is a, it is a very strong indicator that what we're looking at here is the truth. Uh, then number six... And our final one, the consistency of the Bible. Uh, and this is talking about how the Bible is consistent uh, with our reality, uh, how it helps to explain you know, us as we read it uh, and explains the world that we live in uh, and our experience of it. And I'm sure you've seen this happening in your life. You can reflect on these things. Uh, but the Bible explains for us, for example, the origins of our planet, of life on our planet Right? When we look at the, you know, the unity and the diversity of creation, uh, when we look at the beauty of creation and the order that is in it, um, and these things that we see all around us, 
The Bible tells us it is that way because God created everything out of nothing. And the Bible also explains the brokenness that we experience in our world. It explains why there's sickness and why there's suffering and why there is death. Uh, And that is because of our sin and God's judgment upon our sin and our world. Uh, We are experiencing the curse of God and that is why our world is broken. It also explains why we value uh, the equality of all people, right, regardless of race or gender or age, uh, why we value human life above all other, other life. And that is because God has created us in his image. It also explains, you know, that sense of right and wrong that we all feel, like morality, right? We have this, you know, and we have this deep sense uh, of right and wrong and guilt, Uh, when we do the wrong thing, uh, that is because our God uh, is a God of right and wrong. And we feel guilty when we break his holy laws. And even though we we kind of try and suppress that truth, uh, we cannot escape it and that sense um, that things are just not right between us and God. It also explains that that restless feeling um, that we have in our souls you know, people are searching for meaning and they're searching for purpose and hope, right? And we just hate the idea that life ends in death. And, and the reason we feel these things is because God has made us for himself. Right? God has made us for a relationship with himself. He's made us for an eternal relationship with him. And so, as, as Augustine said, our hearts are restless until we find rest in God. And so this, you can just see the Bible just explains the reality that we live in and experience really well. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, he once wrote about this in a really good quote. I think you can read it. I'll read it out. Uh, he wrote that, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. You know, like we know that the sun has risen because we can you know, see its light and the things that it lights up. Right? We know the Bible is true uh, because we see its light on our world, uh, how it explains us and our world and everything that we experience. And so those are the six uh, indicators that are pointing us in the direction of the Bible being true, truthfulness of God, eyewitness testimony, prophetic message, historical reliability, uh, the unity and the consistency. And, and all of these right, are pointing us in that direction, uh, but none of them can actually put it beyond doubt uh, that the Bible is true. Right, for that to happen, uh, we need God to do that for us. And so the final proof uh, is the inward testimony of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is that God gives us his Holy Spirit uh, to confirm the truth of his word. So Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians as he's talking about the the gospel uh, that was revealed to them, the truth of the gospel. Uh, Paul writes, These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is the inward testimony of the Spirit. 
uh, that God gives the Spirit to all who believe in him uh, to do that work of revealing uh, and confirming the truth of his word. John Calvin, he was a a great theologian from the Reformation and he uh, spoke about these things. And this is a bit of a long quote, but just read it with me and I think it's pretty clear as we go through uh, what he's saying. So he writes, For as God alone can properly bear witness to his own words, so these words will not obtain full credit in the hearts of men until they are sealed by the inward testimony of the Spirit. The same Spirit, therefore, who spoke by the mouth of the prophets must penetrate our hearts in order to convince us that they faithfully delivered the message with which they were divinely entrusted. So basically saying the same Spirit that wrote the Bible uh, is the same Spirit that convinces us that the Bible is true. It's kind of like how, you know, an artist might, you know, do a painting and then put their little signature down the bottom and so you know it's authentic, okay? Um, Well, you know, God, it would be great if he sort of put his signature inside the Bible and just said, yep, this is my word, Uh, but he doesn't do that. Uh, But instead, he he does something better, is that he puts his spirit into our heart uh, to authenticate his work. That is his signature, uh, that his word is true. And so I just think it's wonderful as you reflect upon this. Uh, isn't it wonderful that our, our belief that the Bible is true is not like a leap into the dark? Uh, we're not just jumping into the unknown and just hoping these things are true. Uh, but it is a sure and certain knowledge that comes from God. And so we can know that the Bible is his word uh, and it is true and trustworthy uh, in everything that it says. And so maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, that's great that you believe that, Dave, but you know, I'm, just, I'm just struggling to, to come with you there. I'm just not sure. Uh, so how can we grow in our assurance of this? How do we do that? Um, because we want our assurance to match what is at stake. We want to have a firm assurance. And so I think it's, it's helpful to go back to 2 Peter because uh, it's kind of what Peter is doing with these churches Uh, He wants to grow their assurance that the things they have been told are true and they are trustworthy, they can be sure of them. And and so what he does is he points them back to the things that he told them already. And so he says here a few times in his letter, he says that I will always remind you of these things. Uh, I think it is right to refresh your memory. Uh, I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things so he's not giving them you know new information Uh, he's just pointing them back to what he's already said to them right he's saying remember those things refresh your memory be reminded of them right and this is how we grow in our assurance as well right we need to uh, to hear god's word keep hearing god's word Uh, and as we do that uh, god is going to work through the indwelling spirit through his word and spirit, to grow your assurance that the things you are reading are true and trustworthy. Now, there's one way you do that, of course, reading your Bible, okay? Personal Bible reading, really important. Uh, but there are lots of other ways that maybe we don't think about too much. Uh, one of them is, is church, okay? We come here and we hear the word, uh, we sing things that line up with it, we pray, 
Um, and, and another way is growth group. You go into growth group, you're opening the Word of God, you are talking about it, uh, you are reading it together. Another way people do it is through podcasts, you know, good Christian podcasts that are speaking about the Word and explaining it. Uh, or good books, okay? The Grow What You Know books that we have really help you to understand the Bible better. Um, other ways is audio books. I love audio books because um, I fall asleep when I read. So audio books are terrific. Um, another way we can do it is, is speaking the word to one another. You know, so when we leave here, we do morning tea or you're with people during the week, you can speak the word of God to one another. Uh, and together grow your assurance uh, that these things are true. And so I think, you know, to finish, that Peter's advice uh, to the churches that he wrote to uh, is good advice to us, uh, and that is to pay attention to the Word of God. Now, 2 Peter 1.19, uh, he says, You will do well to pay attention to it, talking about the, you know, their eyewitness testimony and the prophetic message, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Right, like a light in a dark place, right, the Bible is going to lead you in the right direction. Uh, it's not going to lead you astray. It is not going to let you down. And interesting, Peter there says to follow it until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What does that mean? Well, he's referring to the return of Jesus. And so he's basically saying to the people, follow the light of the scriptures until Jesus returns. Follow it your whole life until you no longer need it. Because you will have reached your destination. Because you will be with Jesus and you will see him as he is. And you'll no longer need the scriptures. Because they will have carried you along to your destination and that end goal of eternity with God in his presence. And so if you're someone who wants to grow your assurance uh, that the Bible is true, uh, just keep hearing the word. Uh, keep praying for that work of the Spirit in your heart that, to confirm these things. Uh, and then just keep following that light until you come to be with Jesus. Uh, let's pray for those things right now. Let's pray to our Heavenly Father and ask him uh, for those wonderful things. And Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for revealing your truth in your word and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the many reasons that we have to trust you, but above all, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that reveals and confirms the truth of your word. So Father, we pray that you would work in us by your spirit as we hear your word to grow our assurance and trust in you. Father, keep our eyes fixed on the light of your word and the Lord Jesus Christ, that you might guide us to eternal life, that which you have promised to give us. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.